This podcast is our second in a series that focuses on music candy stores. Let's check out record stores. Our guest today on the Dogger and Muddy Music Show is Chris Penn, the owner of Good Records, a super record store located on South Greenville Avenue. Dallas Observer has listed it for years as one of the best music stores in the city. Earlier this year, in fact, Good Records received the Reader's Choice Award from the Dallas Observer as the best vinyl record store. When I grew up, riding your bike, or once you were old enough, driving a car to the local record store was a weekly must. In my hometown, there wasn't even a record store early on. You went to Lewis Drug and thumbed through the 45s and the albums. The front display in the music section presented the smaller 45 RPM records. The kaleidoscope of colors the labels on the 45s displayed was a visual calling card. The yellow and orange spinning circle of Capitol Records the black and red of Atlantic. Motown was written in rainbow colors above a deep blue. Columbia was solid red. Once you made your purchase, you'd go home and step through the ritual of playing your new record. Pull the sleeve with the record out of the record jacket. Carefully slide the record out of the sleeve. Place it on most probably a portable record player. This magic box contained both the turntable and speakers. Then you'd pull the slider to get the belt and plate spinning and carefully set the needle. Then you would sit back and listen while you studied the album cover art and information provided on it. It was the greatest. This ritual has made a huge and well-justified comeback over the last several years. Let's talk with Chris about how this part of the music business works and what it takes to make it a go. In the background during this interview, you may hear Muddy moving around and working to get as comfortable as possible. Why don't you sit back and do the same? This is the Dogger and Muddy Music Show. Listen up. It's all about the music. Let's check in on the artists, songs, and people behind the scenes. Are you listening? Chris Penn, our guest today, owns and runs one of my favorite musical candy stores, Good Records. It has been recognized by Dallas Observer as the best record store multiple times. As soon as Good Records comes into view on Lower Greenville in Dallas, Texas, you know you're at the right place. Over the entrance to the building, you'll see eight three-by-three-foot enlargements of the hottest albums that are on the market today. My car automatically pulls in, parks, and opens the door for me. Let's explore the business of records. My fingers are ready to flip through the inventory. Chris, where did you get the, you know, where did your musical story start? Uh, Well, my musical story started uh, when I was uh, probably 10 years old. I went and saw my very first concert. Uh, My dad and mom took me to see Rod Stewart. On the uh, the Blondes Have More uh, Fun tour, the Do You Think I'm Sexy was the big single then, and uh, I think it, hindsight, I think they, uh, in addition to wanting to expose me to music, I think they uh, just were too cheap to pay for a babysitter, so figured buy a six dollar concert ticket and just drag drag me along. I love it. So I would go see all kinds of shows, a Black Sabbath, uh, Bad Company. 
Blue Oyster Cult. I mean, San Antonio was a real bumper crop for uh, rock and roll and heavy metal, which I eventually got into heavily uh, because a lot of the first places that uh, Rush, I think the first place they ever played outside of uh, Canada was in San Antonio in the U.S. And oh, that's then, cool. And Triumph was another big one. And San Antonio was a weird town. It would champion these bands, and they would kind of not necessarily break wide open, but they'd be the first time that there'd be a guy, uh, Joe Anthony, the godfather of heavy metal, they call him. He he had his own radio show on uh, 99.5 Kiss, and I think it was K-Mac before then. And it's one of those kind of guys you'd tune in and you'd hear the latest music, and he would find you know Japanese imports or, or UK imports of bands, and he'd play the B-sides to Iron Maiden. So it was... Uh, that was my upbringing, and then I slowly got into collecting music, and my parents would drive me around on the weekends, and I would do a circuit where I'd go to Flipside or Apple Records and Hogwild Records, and uh, Half Price Books and Records, I think, started in San Antonio as well, or they had some early shops there, and so we would hit flea markets as well. There was an Eisenhower Road flea market where the guy would sell bootlegs, and at the time, I didn't really understand what bootlegs were, and... I got home an Aerosmith record and it had different labels on it. And I took it back. He goes, no, you idiot. That's just, it doesn't, that's part of the bootlegs. They don't tell you that that's Aerosmith because they don't, you know, at the time, you know, I guess it somehow helped out with their, their illegality of it, of, of pressing records. So I did that and then, um, kept going to shows and, uh, my mom and dad got divorced, but my stepdad came into the picture, and he was equally a, a music nut, so I continued to go to shows with him, and then uh, went to Texas A&M University and uh, studied business marketing there, and while I was there, a, a record store opened up, and I walk in, and it looks eerily familiar, and I go, hey, you guys are ripping off Hogwild Records in San Antonio. They go, no, we're not. We have the same owner. So my favorite record store from San Antonio followed me to College Station. And they knew they knew where their best customer was. Well, they, I wound up working there. You know, I, I fast forward a little bit, but it was so weird. Um, the reason I went to A&M over uh, UT in Austin, I got the application first, and I didn't want to pay the 20 or $25 application fee at the time so that's why i, I became a, a kind of a big fish in a, a little pond in college station so while i was there i'd meet bands and helped book bands at a local venue stafford opera house which very, i don't think very. i would have been able to do if i'd have been in ut because there's so there's so much music going on in austin it's just you know it's good lord there's eight bands playing at once and you'd like them all so in college station we'd you know bring bring bands into Bryan and, and College Station and that would be the only thing going in 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 the town that night for the band. So it was uh we uh were able to uh do some really cool stuff. We brought Jesus Lizard, uh Fugazi, uh Shudder to Think, you know uh Sunny Day Real Estate, a lot of uh, bands that went on to, to do things, and and uh, Green Day played there on their uh, very first tour, and they very good. And they slept in my friggin' in my front uh, front area of my apartment on Tauber Street, and <laughs> we you know we had these all these bands come through, and you know 
you go, oh my God, years later, you know, I had Spoon play a going away party and, you know, years later they're on Saturday Night Live and, you know, they're playing ACL. I mean, so we, I was able to do that. And so eventually while I was still in school, I I worked at a 7-Eleven and which was right down the street from the record store. And I'd spend all my free moments at the record store. So eventually they hired me there and, and I hung around for, uh, two or three years after I graduated managing that store. And then I eventually decided to move to Dallas to come work with Tripping Daisy. Okay. All right. Oh, no, that's a fascinating trip. So you were, what was your responsibility? Were you kind of the road manager or you're working behind the scenes? I started, uh, I started out doing t-shirts. I actually, uh, sent a message to Tim and Julie and, uh, said, Hey, I'm willing to do whatever. Cause I, I had met them when they would come play college station and, uh, I actually said, I'll do whatever you need me to do, shuffle, elephant, poop, whatever. Just kind of, <laughs> I was young and, you know, didn't really know that much about that side of the music business, you know, the the band side. And, just, you know, eventually I, I did merchandise and then I tour managed, then helped book and then helped co-manage Tripping Daisy. And then Tripping Daisy became defunct because we lost a friend who had passed away. And right. then uh, in the interim between Tripping Daisy and the Polyphonic Spree, that's when uh, Tim and Julie and myself, we kind of got together and conspired to open good records. And, uh, you know, at, at the time, you know, Tripping Daisy had played Bills two or three times for different in-stores for releases of their music. And, you know, we, we loved Bills records, but, you know, there was Bills records, CD World and CD Source and I think Pagan Rhythms. But we just kind of felt there was a, a weird niche that, you know, we thought we could fill, you know, like, let's put out the, let's stock the stuff that we really think is great. And, you know, not only new stuff, but some of the classics, you know, My Bloody Valentine, Loveless, or Velvet Underground Record, or just something, you know, like that, kind of like a, like a, not a museum, but just. Once a, once a kid get goes through his Doors phase, we got that. Once he goes through his Hendrix phase, he got, we have all the Hendrix that he needs, and you know, and we're we're accommodating his his uh, current stuff that's coming out as in the meantime as well. And then, you know, we always wanted to curate something that we could turn people on to stuff as they as they came in. You know, like oh, you like this? Well, have you checked out this? And you know, and that's kind of where we've made our, our name over the years is being able to turn people on to stuff, you know, cause especially nowadays more so than ever, you can get your music wherever you can right. stream it. And we still think there's something to be, to be had by being able to walk in and talk to an individual and, and riff off of them and, you know, right. dis- discuss the shows you've seen and, Hey, I saw this band, they opened up for them and, you kind of get to like, hey, oh, I got this record over here. Have you checked out, you know, you checked out, you know, Jonathan Wilson. You know, he's he's out playing guitar with David, not with David Gilmore, with Roger Waters now. And, you know, we've, we kind of find these artists that are lesser known. And, you know, we, we champion a band called Granddaddy. And the label contacted us and they scheduled a, a day off on their tour for the come play at in-store because they noticed our sales. We report to SoundScan, and they go, what the hell's going on in Dallas? Why We're not really selling records anywhere, but in Dallas, we're selling a lot of Granddaddy. And the, their label at the time, V2, noticed that and you know gave us props and you know made them schedule a day like they played a show. And 
they're routing. Usually you just kind of make do when you get a band to play the store, but they're like, we're going to get these guys to play as kind of a reward for you guys pushing the band so hard. So we've been kind of lucky in that regard, and we've made friends with bands over the years, and you know, we've been doing it 18 years now. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that's uh, pretty distinctive is if you pay attention to keep stay keep posted on the website you'll have a, a serious player show up uh, and play at good records oh uh, yeah we'll get a steve earl or we'll get a I yeah, love yeah steve we'll get a yeah yeah yes or you know we'll get uh tegan and sarah we get we had alice cooper the original band and and alice cooper himself showed up we'll you know like you said if you kind of are paying attention or if you're willing to take a chance you can come in and catch some great music the other night we had a tears of silver which is a couple of the Mercury Rev guys, a guy from Midlake and a guy from the Posies. And it's one of the best shows I've ever seen. It was really great and it was really stripped down and real intimate. And uh, so, that, you know, that's what we we like to offer to people is like, it's to be able to come in and talk to a human and find music you like. And then, you know, being able to see live music there and just, you know, and there's some, sometimes you need to get off your, your screens and your, your, your devices and your laptops and, you know, interact. And, and that's why we're still around. Yeah. When I, many times when I uh, walk in and I'm thumbing through the, the different albums, Jacob will say, Hey, have you heard this yet? And he'll pop it in for me. And I'll say, Oh, that's fantastic. I love it. And then we'll, he'll, we'll just brainstorm back and forth on, on different genres and different sonic scapes, you know, to see, see where we want to go. Yeah. That's uh we've had great employees over the years that are just have kept us going. Jacob's the current guy. And then, uh, Kevin and Alex are there as well now and myself. And, uh, over the years we've had an employee named CJ and then, you know, we've had a uh, Chris Neal and we've had some great, great employees over the years that just have been able to tune in and like know their customers that are coming in and like have great memories. Like, Oh, this guy likes this, genre of music or you know or he and they can also remember like oh yeah i sold him that three weeks ago so they're not wasting your time like trying to resell you something you've already bought or something you didn't literally care for you right. know and it's just and i found out over the years myself shopping at record stores they kind of do a lot of the grunt work for you like if they're playing something Nine times out of ten, that means they really like it. It's not something they just got a lot of. They're like they've done the research and like they've they've got rid of the the crapola and they're playing the the goods. So when you, if you walk into a record store, a lot of times you'll hear something that somebody that works there is is chosen to play because they're there working and they want something to pass the time they enjoy. So you know I've bought a lot of my music over the years at other record stores, even though I own a record store, I still go and buy at other stores and whatever they're playing i'm like oh that's cool i didn't i hadn't thought about that or i've always meant to get that and i've never got it i mean i was in amoeba one time and i got a, a brenton wood greatest hits like 18 greatest hits and i'm like it's one of my favorite records it's just like love all those songs you're obviously you're touching on this but what other keys or how, how do you want to expand on your keys to success and how you're doing you know you've gotten a hell of a reputation in the dfw area well, it's just, you know, you've got to be in tune with, you, you can't rest on your laurels, and you have to be in tune with, there's new stuff coming out every week, which a lot of times I wish there wasn't, because it's a, it's a financial burden, because you never know what 
Joe Joe Blow down the street's going to want to come in and get. So you a little bit of a gambling guessing game, but you just got to have to you got to st- stay well versed and 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 uh, read about releases and know what's coming out. You know, so it's uh, it's just being knowledgeable, I think, and, and being caring and. Uh, it's a labor of love, you know, and that's you got to be care about what you're doing, and and I think it exudes upon to the people that come in. If you're if you're into what you're doing, then it it'll transcend to the the experience of them shopping with you. And we've we've tried to hire people throughout the years that are like love to do what they're doing because they're they're not making a lot of money either, and you know we're not getting rich off it. It's just music is a way to escape and, and listen to it is kind of get you away from, you know, especially nowadays there's some heavy stuff going on in this world, natural disasters and, and, uh, right. current leadership, notwithstanding and other things. It's just, it's kind of a crazy times we're living in. So it's like, if you can go see a movie or put on a record and kind of, uh, escape for a little bit, that's what I, that's what I think the services we offer is escape and, and a, a way to, to, to do that via music. Very good. Now, your inventory, just a curiosity question. It's it's your investment. You know, there's no return policy, right? You, you can't return vinyl, which is uh drives me crazy because you know, we take care of it. So we're kind of you got to be careful what you order cuz you're kind of married. You can rec- you can return a certain percentage of CDs, which I'm kind of been battling that and that's kind of why the the supposed death of vinyl happened before that was all basically a hoax to push the CD more or less because they never stopped pressing vinyl, but they wanted, they wanted people to buy, rebuy their collection again, you know, right. Say you've got it all on record. You know, how are we going to like, Oh, well, I can put it in my car. That's one way. And you know, the, the convenience and being able to upload it to a, a computer, to a hard drive eventually. And so that's kind of what happened. But the, uh, the vinyl they're they're they don't take back defectives and you know mm, ouch so when we get returns we have to eat it which is weird and so you know i'm part of a coalition called the alliance of independent media stores aims and we've kind of always uh trying to how can we keep this thing going you know because all the stores you know at times we struggle and i mean it's you know you gotta there's ups and downs and a lot of it is based on is are people putting out good albums, you know, and if they're not putting out good albums, you know, your sales are kind of waning because, you know, how many times can somebody rebuy Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon, you know, <laughs> but, you know, so we kind of have to count on artists to be doing good work and, and putting out releases that we can sell a lot of or sell multiples of the same thing to, to keep going. Yeah, you touched on this. It's what's interesting to me is the the record store business is predominantly mom and pop. The big chains were there for a while, and I'm sure some of those are still around. But in in my travels over the last year, every every time I hit a town, I look for the local re- record store, and they're all mom and pops. Yeah, there it really is, and I I think what it is is uh, the record store is kind of like the cockroach in a way. It's like it's gone down to the people who really really care about it. Like if you get a Tower Records started out with one guy. Uh, there's a documentary, All Things Must Pass, that you can watch that uh, Colin Hanks did, and it kind of gives you, like, they got bigger and bigger and brought in more people and sold shares and just got too big and they kind of lost focus. And and it's just, 
and at the same time, if you're doing that and sales are decreasing, then it's then you're gonna you're gonna feel the ramifications. But if you're kind of small and your mom and pop, and it's like you're watching your bank bank account six times a day, and you're kind of knowing what you, what's coming and what you got to order and what bills, you can kind of you can kind of weather the storms and uh, make it work. But it's uh, that's why you see you're not. I don't think you're ever going to see a tower or a Virgin Megastore or Fye something or a Hastings pop up again. Because I mean, let's face it, Amazon is a beast. It's I mean, to say the least. I mean, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna hurt. The, it's it is hurting the record store, and it will hurt other businesses. It'll be where the only thing that you can't do is go out to a bar and drink on Amazon. But you know, Amazon may have their own bars down the road. I mean, it could be like a Amazon is everything. I mean, Amazon just bought into Whole Foods and, right. and it's just, they're kind of, you know, going, uh, to take over the world, <laughs> you know, and, and, and they've created a, a niche and a service and it's convenient. I mean, I get it. So, I don't think you're going to see any big chains come up. You will see new people that are like, everybody thinks they have a great idea and, and they can do something different than, you know, we're doing or, or the, or vice versa. And I think that's great. Competition is great. And I think, you know, but it's just going to be individuals and, and groups of friends that go, you know, I've always wanted to do a record store, so I'm going to do it. And here's how I would do it. And that's great. And, and you'll, you're seeing record stores opening up again because there was a huge uh, vinyl resurgence about uh, 2006, 2007, where uh, kind of talked amongst the stores that were part of this coalition and said, hey, are you guys selling a lot of vinyl? We've always sold vinyl. We opened in 2000, but it was just a, just a smidge, you know, that we would sell. Uh, opened a record store of course i'm going to carry vinyl i'm not going to we call it good records we didn't call it good cds (laughs) so we kind of had the foresight to know that it was you know it's about records and when i say records i mean i do mean vinyl but also mean just as the whole listening experience and so but all of a sudden you know see the biggest selling year of the cd was 1999 we opened in 2000 ever since the cd has been going down in sales but in the, the meanwhile, the adverse of that, the the vinyl, the record, has been going up. So about 2006, 2007, it was really firing on all cylinders. And stores were like, holy moly, are you, are you selling records to 13-year-old kids? Because you kind of didn't see that for a while. And kids were getting their, their parents or their grandparents' turntables and getting collections handed to them. And they're kind of getting into it and it was kind of novel to them because it's like oh i got a cd it's just stacking up it's in my car it's in my my door my door jam and and uh but people got into the the sanctity and the the act of listening to vinyl like having friends over and looking at the records and it's bigger art and putting it on side one hey let me show you this like by showing you i mean play you the music and then all right hey, let's take a break we'll flip it over to side two kind of what you did and you know you see a lot of these records they have people's names on them because they would take them to other people's houses and they would worry i guess they were worried that somehow their 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 copy of the record was going to wander off at their friend's house or, or whatever which they hadn't written all over their records but i get it it was more of an event and you'd have a little carrying totes with your records you'd take to your friend's house and 
It's but it's it's really cool to see you know thirteen to eighteen year old kids getting into vinyl and they're they're doing their collection and they're going back and oh I got to get all the Beatles I got to get the Rolling Stones and you know I got to get Jimi Hendrix I got to get the Doors and they kind of go through their their little pockets of music or I got to get Joni Mitchell they kind of learn from the contemporary people like who they should check out of the that influenced the the bands they're liking now so it's a uh, and I guess that's what's always been going on with record stores. It's like you're, I discover new music every day. Like I'll, there'll be a reissue of somebody I never heard of, and I'm like, this is really good. How did this slip through the cracks? Or there'll just be something, you know, a, a Bob Dylan track that I haven't heard. You know, there's, I'm not, I'm the first to admit that I'm still learning. You know, so it's like, I think once you think you know it all, that's when you should get out because you know it's always something. That's what's the, that's what's fun about it to me is you're still discovering stuff that, you know, raises your skirt, so to speak, that gets you excited about music all over again. Yeah. One of my big finds a couple of years back, probably about five years back was Richard Thompson. I mean, I felt, I feel embarrassed to say that now what a phenomenal artist, but I, you know, and he's always been listed in Rolling Stone magazine. He's totally. One of, the, one of the top 60 best guitarists ever, but you know, he's this folk guy off in, off in uh, the UK and I tried it and I just fell in love with the guy. There's, there's, I mean, there's things, there's artists like Frank Zappa. I mean, yes, that's just like, people are like, once you dive in, you're you're in, you're all in. Like if you either you embrace it or you don't. But there's there's a lot of artists out there. Bob Dylan's one, and it's just it's great to see somebody go down that path, and they're like they're they're digging it. And, you know, you even find some some stuff that you dig on their quote unquote lesser known albums. You know, to that you still find merit in. So it's 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 great, and it's a, it's a hobby for people, and it's a, something for them to pass their time and and. To, it's i think it's productive it's an art it's music is art you know it's not hanging on your wall and you know it's not something somebody painted but it's something somebody created and they put their you know their thought process and you know however they came to that they made it for you so it's like it's finding the people to, to appreciate it and that's where the record store is in that chain of things so it's cool that the record store still exists yeah, to me, the process is kind of therapeutic. You talked about the art is, you know, the little CD is nice, but to have the album and see the art and kind of put your own interpretation of why and how they did it, did what they did. And then, as you can see, my turntable's right behind me. You put, you put the album on and you watch it start to spin. You put the needle and then, boom, the magic starts. It's really cool. Oh, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of mind-blowing, you know. It goes from somebody tinkering on a piano or acoustic guitar and then they get their band together and then they 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 flesh it out and then they record it and then it gets manufactured and somebody they either hire an art team to do the art or somebody in the band is an artist and he creates the cover he does a collage or he does a painting or he's got a friend who's a photographer what if we did this and you know what if we painted lou reed silver and you know all these kind of things and so it's just it's a whole lot to it. So it's like there's multi-levels that you can peel away and, and learn about things. You can just listen to something on face value. That's a great song. That's not. But then you can go in and go, well, he wrote that with so-and-so, and so-and-so used to be in this band, and so-and-so produced this, who produced that band. And it's like there's a family tree and like a detective work that just leads you to other artists that you wind up enjoying. So it's... Uh, there's something to be said. There's a, you can kind of take it at face value, or you can 
really dive in and that's you know we're we like to be a store that's for people that are diving in way in but you know we don't we don't discriminate like you know we're not too cool for school we're not the high fidelity like if you don't know this we're not going to say you don't know that get out of here like right because we, we can't afford to we need all the customers we can get to be quite honest so we're like if you want a taylor swift record we'll sell you a taylor swift record because you know why at the end of the day it makes you happy and if it if it you know if you, you snap your fingers to it and you want to play it with your kids then we're not going to judge you you know so that's one thing i like to get out there about good records you know is we're not the atypical like we're not music snobs i mean we are music snobs but we don't put it off on you anyway right a couple years ago uh you seem to kind of modify your your inventory there were still a fair amount of cds on the first floor now you've shifted a predominance of your cds upstairs and vinyl downstairs any thinking behind that we just uh we made the switch what was selling more it was really weird uh we uh we we had another location. We were on the outskirts of Deep Ellum for six years or so on uh, Good Latimer Street. And when we were over there, we had vinyl one one side of the store, and then we had CDs. And when we came to move, we uh, we thought, well, let's do a weird thing where we mix vinyl and CDs. So if you're at the CDs, maybe you want to pick up a record or vice versa. So we we're trying to trying to encourage both. And I I still listen to CDs. Don't get me wrong, I'm not belittling cds i mean i they play a lot better in your car oh yeah there's unless you're jay leno and you have a a turntable in your old you know 56 (laughs) car or whatever he's got that has a turntable and you know you can't really do that and i hope that cars keep cd players in them but it looks like everything's going to bluetooth land which kind of bums me out but anyway so we just kind of was a natural thing and slowly like more and more people wanted vinyl and and uh and more and more things were coming out on vinyl a lot more things were being re-released on vinyl so we just kind of out of necessity moved the cds upstairs and the vinyl downstairs but when we got there we initially had the vinyl upstairs and the cds downstairs right and then we merged them together and then it was kind of total like the going up going down and they both kind of did that kind of in in line with the way they were selling and uh People seem to like it. I mean, we get a few CD CD customers that don't like to walk the stairs, but I can I can help boost them up if they need help. <laughs> Chris, I also read that, and you mentioned them earlier. You manage Polyphonic Spree. Uh, tell me about this band. Uh, well, the Polyphonic Spree is the the brainchild of uh, Tim DeLotter and Julie Doyle, and uh, started in two thousand. And uh, when it came time to start the band. Julie, I think, wanted to take more of a role of being in the band. But uh, Tim and Julie are always going to self-manage themselves and, and uh, be things. So it's a, it's, a, it's a co-management effort between the three of us. And uh, what we did, we booked a show for Tim with uh, Granddaddy and Bright Eyes. And he hadn't even put... He didn't have any members of the band, and that was a way to force his hand to get going because <laughs> he lost his friend Wes Bergen and... Uh, was kind of bummed out he stopped his band tripping daisy which he really loved and at the time i don't know that he wanted to stop tripping daisy but it's just kind of like you lose your friend and your guitar player it's kind of right. like he just didn't want to go get joe blow to to take over so he just 
told the other guys, you know, I'm done, you know. So we took a break, and it's when we opened Good Records, and he kind of got that itch, and he he came up with the name and something he these wacky packs that I think Tops Cards makes that are like make fun of products like uh, polydent dentures. Uh, make little funny illustrations kind of like garbage pail kids but they're wacky packs so he saw one for i think polydent and he saw polyphonic and which mean many uh many sounds and the spreements combination of the sounds and he just liked the way those two words sounded so he he had the name and then we had a show booked and then he put together the the band and uh wound up becoming a at times, I think the most members we had were 26 to 28 members. Goodness. And then right now, it's between 16 to 20, but uh, which is small in my eyes, which is seeing sounds weird, but people still freak out. You had a 16-person band? What, what in the world? But uh, he took it all over the world. We were able to... It, uh, we did a South by Southwest. The first year we applied for South by Southwest, we didn't get in. And then... Uh, the year after we were able to get in and uh tim goes you know let's and we were all kind of like let's since we finally got in let's go ahead and just play as many times as we can so we did uh i think we did six shows in three days and and at the time a lot of people weren't doing that but now they are doing that that's kind of become the norm but i had known a buddy ron suman who uh was on the board at south by southwest so he he liked the band and he goes, well, I got Robbie Robertson from the, from the band doing a keynote speech. We need something to kind of kick it off to get these journalists awake. So we played this hotel lobby, which was the very first thing we played at South by Southwest. And John Perales from the New York times was there. And all these people from the UK were there and all these journalists. And that was like the first band they saw of the whole festival. Love it. So it was kind of a total word of mouth thing. So we went from that and then we played a, a, a person's front yard at a barbecue called a P2 barbecue. And then we played at Stubbs with the shins and we had two or three showcases and we just kind of got onto things. Cause we're like, well, we're here, let's go ahead and play. And we slept four to six to a room at a, like a Econo lodge or days in on the outskirts of Austin. And we just kind of went for it and, ran a caps van so we did that and we we yeah you know, we did pretty good we thought you know people liked it and a week or two later we started getting all these messages and we did an in-store at waterloo and we'd sold like 150 cds or almost 200 down and, in austin yeah, yeah in austin we were only second to Nora jones and that was the year Nora jones broke out i think she sold 300 cds at her in-store or something but excellent but at the time these were just cds that we were we were pressing uh cdrs and doing stickers and handmade covers and we'd get people from the band to draw things and so anyway we did that and a week or two after south by southwest we're getting all these emails and and uh got people contacting us from the uk and all the reviews came out the best bands of south by southwest and we were mentioned name dropped in two or three of those articles and so we're we uh first place we ever played outside of Texas was in the UK and it turns out we got uh booked at a as a part of David Bowie's meltdown a festival he curated in the UK yeah so we went over there and played that and went over gangbusters and got management over there and got a record deal over there 
but and but over in the, the states we were still on our own on good records we put it out ourselves good records recordings and uh so we did that and we eventually got signed to hollywood records in the u.s and then did that for a while and then we're on tvt and we've played the nobel peace prize done bonnaroo coachella all the festivals uh glastonbury fantastic and and kind of freaked people out you know it's how are you gonna do this how are you gonna we never really thought about it you know we just made it work and people helped us out because they wanted to see it happen and we were able to borrow money to go to the UK for the first time to pay for the flights because, you know, flying that many people is insane. And we weren't making the show fees to, to facilitate that. So we were kind of just hoping something would pan out, like we would get a record deal or, you know, somebody would care or <coughs> things would, you know, happen as a result. And they did. And it's one of those kind of weird stories. But, you know, that band's been going on for for 17 years too july 15th 2000 was when the polyphonic spree started and it's still going i mean we're doing a show uh i think it'll already have happened when this airs but we're doing a show opening up for the uh, blue october at the new uh irving toyota music factory thing yeah so we're playing out there and then we got our annual christmas show that will be our 15th annual christmas show december 9th at the majestic theater that we do and uh it's uh it's been a wild ride but it's been fun but and the, the reason the band works is because everybody that's wound up being a member of the band and we've had we have had a revolving door but everybody wants it to work and everybody enjoys it so you know everybody kind of pulls their load in in the polyphonic spree yeah one well, kind of a step back is what was it a couple months ago that tripping daisies hit the stage again yeah tripping daisy we uh never thought never really thought what had happened and i don't and I don't think it's going to happen again, but those who saw it were lucky. I think we put on a great show, and because um, you never know when it's over. Like right. like at the time when they were playing their last shows, they didn't know those were their last shows, so kind of didn't have that closure. And I think this time, you know, Tim had some closure to it and kind of revisited the music and had some fun. And you know, he had he had Brian Wakelin and Phil Carnatz and Mark Pirro that were in, in the in the band and you know we were missing two guys uh Wes Bergen and and Benjamin Curtis but Ben Ben was the second drummer we had the well the the first long-term drummer Brian Wakelin back with us so it was it was all in the family and it was done tastefully and it was just it was for it was kind of for the fans and and Tim wanted to do it for his kids and you know for the people that missed out and and for people that were missing it and you know it was it was cool it was see those smiles in people's faces and we did the old school like uh film more visuals and, and oh uh, did you yeah and put on a great show and they they played at bare minimum two two and a half hours each night and you know ran the gamut of the of their of their musical discography I love it. Well, what are your thoughts on da- Dallas as a music city? I love Dallas. I love Dallas as a city, period, and I love Dallas as a music city. Uh thing I like about Dallas is it uh you got some great artists, Tim being one of them, Tim DeLauder being one of them, Erica Badu, uh that have stayed here. They could have went off to LA or New York and, you know, the Toadies have stayed here, Reverend Horn Heat have stayed here and you get these guys that this is their home, so they're like, we're going to do it out of here. 
although a lot of times it might be easier to make it even bigger or you know be closer to the the music scene hubs which are you know still new york and la but or nashville if you're that one now now nashville is you know country but rock i mean i love nashville i think I've been visiting Nashville a lot recently, and well, uh, Dan Arbach's recent album is all Nashville, and it's 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 a big it's a big divergence from typical Nashville. Yeah, there's, Nashville and New Orleans are still happening. You know, those, those Nashville especially, I think that's still going to keep blowing up because it's just it's a really cool town. But Dallas has that, and it's got great venues: Granada Theater, the Kessler Theater. I love the Kessler. It's got you know. Great mom and pop venues, and it's got you know some Live Nation House of Blues you know venues, and it's got the the, the Grand the the Verizon and out in at, in Grand Prairie, and yep. it's got you know American Airlines Center, it's got Starplex, it's got a lot of great venues, and it's got a lot of great talent. You know, it's uh, a little bit. It's the, things tend to rise up, and you can see them. Like there's not so many bands in Dallas. There's a lot of bands in Dallas, but there's not surely not as many as as L.A. or New York, and you you know you can find your bands you like because they're able to like get noticed quicker and get in the clubs, you know, get into Dada that you're going to or Trees or you know, and you can kind of go check them out or at Double Wide or smaller yeah. venues, and so that's bomb, great. Bomb Factory, yeah, Bomb Factory. It's, that guy Clint has done some amazing things getting Trees back going and, and Bomb Factory. He's he's doing it right. But there's like there's a there's a right size venue and right size and right vibe for each style of music that's out there. So it's got there's there's still blues clubs here, poor David's pubs yep. is happening. There's still great things in Dallas, you know, and it's it's still it's kind of spreading out into the suburbs, which is cool, you're you're noticing now. Right. You're touching on a ton of contacts in Dallas. How do you leverage off of those for good records? Well, we've been lucky that we uh, we were open maybe a week when uh, our other store opened. We had in, uh, a touring band come through. Enon was our very first in-store, and it was a member of a band I used to love, Brainiac, and kind of befriended those guys and booked those guys when I was in college. And But local musicians love record stores, so... And they want to promote themselves, and so when I say, "Hey, we're doing a big record store day event," which is a new newer thing in the the, the pantheon of, of record stores, but they're 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 up for playing for us, and it's great, and they and they they donate their services, and they because they know we're not we're not banking banking on it, we're not going to Tahiti on on selling records, and and they love it. And, and when we moved the store, we made a bigger stage and got better PA. And so we make it worth their while. We brought in lights. So it's not just sterile fluorescent lights. We kill the lights and put on par cans. And, but, you know, as we're fans of the bands that are playing locally, they're fans of the record store. So it's a symbiotic relationship. So it's kind of like we reach out to them. They're up for it. You know, they're like, Oh, great. As long as we can, you know, fit it in or the, the club doesn't care that we're doing it. And, you know, as I see a schedule of stuff coming in, I'll reach out or the band's record label, you know, New West Records is a great record label and they've got Steve Earle on there and Texas Gentleman and they've reached pretty much any one of their artists coming. They're like, hey, do you want them to play? I'm like, of course, you know, let's do it. It's It breaks up the monotony and it's like you got some more live human interaction to get people out and 
we have free beer when we do our in-stores. We have a kegerator there, so we give out beer while people watch the in-stores. Another reason to try to get people off of their couches. Absolutely. You've got a, uh, coming up this Saturday, you've got a, uh, uh, you're hosting a record release for NHD from 3 to 4 on October 28th. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, Salim Nerala is combined with a couple guys, uh, friends of his from Austin, and uh, Salim's always been a real good fan of the store, and he he's probably played the store probably 15 times over the years. So it's he's got a new release, and he's like, they want to come in and promote it. So, of course, like, come on, let's do it. And uh, I think Ronnie Foss is going to play afterwards at 4. Oh, cool. Just got added. And then uh, – we average about one or two in stores a week, you know. Some some weeks we have three or four, some weeks we have none. But if you you know you break it down, we probably have about fifty bands a year playing the store, you know. And it's that's uh, real good. Yeah, it's you know, it's it's we we try to be supportive too. Like even if they're not known, you know, as long as we can accommodate and and they're and we like their music, you know, like. You say they only have eight people. It's like I want to not shut them out from that experience, you know. Because for me, it's like at times there's nobody in the record store, so it's like if they're willing to come play and, and they've got their friends and their fans and the, and they're doing something gr- good that's admirable and that's you know that's not terrible that you like. It's like yeah, let's do it. I mean, because I'm not always like. I'm always looking for a home run where we're squeezing 300 people in there. Right. You know, it's like that's great, but I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tell you know the the, the kids in the high school band no. I'm like, I'd love to see them doing it because you know, I've seen it, I've seen it in all the record stores I've ever worked at. You'll see that kid, and then five years later he'll be in another band and he'll he'll be playing there again, or he'll be moving on. You're like, wow, I knew that kid had something. So it's it's kind of neat to watch that too. I love it. By the way, I love the teaser display you have of different records. Uh, you and Jacob and the rest of the staff sets up. It's right up there at the front. As you can see, I put up a little display of of some of the records I've bought there. I mean, and they come from all different genres. I love uh, that teaser display. Well, we like to throw things up there, either some used stuff that we just you know just got in, or or new releases and. And looking at that Tom Petty record makes me sad, to uh, say the least. But, uh, but yeah, it's uh, that's you know, we and we also pride ourselves on keeping our store uh, well organized and clean. And and uh, I've been in a lot of record stores that have cats and and uh, just nightmares where, you know, I'm all for digging, but you know records and boxes where you can't really get to them we, we try to make our shopping experience uh, a nice one and make it pleasurable and that's one of our things is like we have to like to have a nice you know new arrival section right when you walk in by the register and then new cds and then new lps as well and just stuff that we saw like hey this is a cool used record somebody needs to take this home so we have it right there by the register so we can go hey if you got this one you have you know you have this you know delaney and bonnie record or you know whatever it's whatever it is it's like do you have this and it's right there by the register oh yeah the another one i didn't put it up was uh janice joplin and the holding company one that was that was great yeah i got i got that one on the display on the teaser display rack as well um well we're probably five months away from record day 
So National Record Day. So we'll come back. Hopefully, I can bring you back, and we'll talk uh, talk about that about a month before it. Yeah, we'll have to get some bands after afterwards, or maybe you can interview some bands there at the store for the Record Store Day. That would be fantastic. Any, I mean, any. <laughs> Can you share any key tricks to Record Store Day? I mean, you've got a ton of people coming through those doors. How do you prepare for that one? Well, that is uh, Record Store Day is an eat your eat your Wheaties kind of day. We, uh, to be honest, to be totally honest, when they first announced Record Store Day, I was I wasn't anti it, but I wasn't sure it was going to take because I I, mm. I was kind of under the the uh, mindset that. Every day is record store day. So I was kind of like, I'm not going to just, you know, celebrate it one day a year. It's that, that's my ever, that's my whole existence. So, and it always has been. I've always embraced record stores. But what we did in, in typical fashion, I go, you know what? We're going to go for it. We're going to get some bands and get all the releases that come out. And the first one was really successful. And, and we kind of set the tone. We had a lot of beer to give away. And, just kind of it's each year's gotten bigger and bigger and it's kind of worked out where there's you know along with the local bands that we've been able to get we've been some great touring bands you know kurt Vile was here a year or two ago steve earl's done it okay go uh chris stapleton before anybody know who chris stapleton was he played record store day oh uh, really yeah. oh that's great so it's and, and I, I love those and want to you know Outside of Record Store Day, before anybody knew who they were, Death Cab for Cutie couldn't even get a show in Dallas, and they played our record store, and there was maybe 30 people there, if that. But, I mean, it's it's kind of cool when you kind of see, like, I think we're up to about eight people that have played good records that wind up going on to play Saturday Night Live, which is really neat to me, like, kind of mind-blowing. Absolutely. It's like, can we get a percentage? Come on, <laughs> mail us some money or back. Get, or at least get a mention. Yeah. yeah, can you wear a good record shirt on there? But, you know, we have had a... Rhett Miller's worn an old 97... Of the old 97, he's worn a good yeah. record shirt in, in some of their album art. Uh, Midlake was on the Craig Ferguson show. They wore one of her shirts. Granddaddy's worn a good record shirt on uh, Letterman, I think it was. And we've gotten some props nationally and, you know... Uh, had a comedian wear one of our "You Can't Roll a Joint on a Digital Download" shirt, and <laughs> on one of his Netflix comedy specials, and we've kind of, you know, we've got some props out there, but uh, it's it's fun, or we wouldn't be doing it. And uh, but yeah, Record Store Day is a is kind of the Super Bowl of of, of record stores days. Well, let's close with your thoughts on what you think the future holds for independent record stores like Good Records. Well. Hopefully the future holds that they'll still be around uh, kicking, scratching, and clawing. And that, uh, you know, another trend we're seeing right now is uh, people ordering direct from the labels, which is fine. And people are doing color variants. Like uh, you order from, you know, you order from the label or the band and you get pink vinyl, whereas the record store gets only gets black or or the record store gets the indie store gets blue. It's just kind of making it even more of a of a competition. Uh, but uh, I just hope people realize that, uh, and that'd be my that'd be for all record stores and not just good records. Is that people embrace them and and just because you can order it three months before it comes out and you forget about it and it shows up in your house, you like 
you know, don't lose sight of that ritual of getting in your car or getting on your bike or riding your skateboard down to the record store and talking to the clerk. And, you know, you know what you want a lot of the times, but take a chance. And that's what I used to do. I'd get my mom to take me to the grocery store back when record store records were sold at grocery stores. And I wasn't worried about what cereal we were buying. I was like, I just wanted to go along to get ACDC's back in black or, or a foreigner record. And you used to buy records based on what the cover looked like. I mean, now, now information is everywhere. Information is King. You can do all the research. You can know if the music is good enough for you to spend your money, which is good. You know, weed out a lot of the fat, trim the fat. Like you, you know, you're spending your hard earned money. You know, you're going to get something you like, but you know, go in there with an open mind and you know, if they don't have what you want right then, or if they got something else, you know, take a chance and, you know, just keep going to record stores because one day you'll wake up and, you know, you've seen other stores disappear, blockbusters, you know, like Premier Video held on for the longest time, you know, and they were great, you know. they Even though, you know, everything's moved to streaming, you know, it's it, he still served a purpose to me because you could go there and you're like, you have this movie that has so-and-so, and he would have it. He'd have to get up on a ladder and go get it for you. So that's... The, the great thing about a brick and mortar store for yes. me is just, you know, the personal touch. Personal touch, and you can you're not going to get that from your computer. They might eventually figure out a way to get a little <laughs> closer to that, like with some robots or something talking to you via Skype, but uh, or instant messenger. But go down there and there's let a human who's counting on you to help him get his paycheck to turn you on to music. It it means a whole lot more. Chris, thanks a bunch. I love talking about one of my favorite ca- musical candy stores, uh, and Good Records is one of those. Um, I'll be, I've got a jam, jam with my band tonight, but I'll tell you what, tomorrow I'll be dropping by to check out some new new vinyl. Awesome. Well, thanks again. Thanks for having us. You got it. We'll see you again soon. Appreciate Bye. it. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening in today. There's nothing like thumbing through albums at a record store. To, to revisit music that touched you somewhere along the way, or to find a new artist that introduces you to a new sound, a new musical journey. Next time you open the doors to a record store, why don't you check out the two bands that Chris Penn, our guest today, has been closely involved with, Tripping Daisy and Polyphonic Spree. Jim DeLauder, the founding member for both bands, is a truly creative artist. I know you will enjoy his musical explorations. Since we're coming up on Halloween, I wanted to bring up an interesting musical side note. This past Sunday, I saw a local band, Young Country, at Ozona's here in Dallas. Randy Brooks, the leader in the band, has written a lot of clever, tongue-in-cheek songs. One big example being his song, Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. Well, as you might guess, another he wrote is well-suited for this time of year. Check out his song, It's Halloween. I think you'll enjoy it. Next week, we wrap up our three-part series on musical candy stores. We visit with Jeff Lyles of Kessler Theater, a really cool concert hall in the musically rich Oak Cliff area of Dallas. He has some fascinating stories to share. Till then, adios campers. Go to www.doggerandmuddy.com for more podcast interviews, blogs, photos, and information on the music scene. 
You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Dogger and Muddy. <laughs>